This episode of Fermented Adventure the Podcast was recorded at George Washington's Mount Vernon Distillery on November 7th, 2021. It features Bob and Sherry McDonald, Laura Fields, and Eric Wolf. We were present for the Keystone Rose and Rye Distillation at the distillery. We hope you enjoy part one. Cheers! Ladies and gentlemen, craft spirit enthusiasts, and those interested in the intoxicating world of craft distilleries, cideries, meaderies, wineries, and the occasional foray into breweries. It's Rich Shane, and welcome to Fermented Adventure, the podcast, where we bring you the fascinating people that are making the mash, fermenting, distilling, bottling, pouring, and delivering to you some of the finest libations in the world. Before we get started, here are a few housekeeping items. Thank you for bringing the podcast into wherever you are and whatever you're doing. We truly are grateful that you've chosen to listen and make us part of your day. It would mean the world to us if you left a five-star review. This helps us climb in the rankings and it makes it easier for others to find us. Don't hesitate to leave us your comments as well. If the podcast didn't meet your expectations, tell us why. We're always striving to improve. You can find us at fermentedadventure.com. We are on Instagram and Facebook as Fermented Adventure. Email us at fermentedadventure at gmail.com. All right, F.A. Nation, let's meet our guests. Bob and Sherry McDonald, Dancing Star Farms. We are here at George Washington's Mount Vernon Distillery. And the place where we need to start and talk about everything that's going on here today from, for the Rose and Rye Distillation starts with you. Because this is your grain. This is what is going to make everything happen, or else we're just standing around doing nothing. So thank you for joining us on the podcast. Talk about what this day means to you as somebody that put this grain into your soil and has tended the field and has taken care of this for the last number of years. But what does this day mean to you? You know, it's basically one year's worth of work combined you know, all into one day. You know, it, it took a year to get this grain to this point. You know, it, that, that's amazing. Now, like when you see the grain, I mean, here your grain got milled, yeah. and then it is taken into the the fermentation process. What's it like visually to see the the next steps of the process? And you've been here a day or two, actually doing the distillation stuff. Yeah. But what does it mean for you to see that happening? In this very presence. You know, that's the once-in-a-lifetime experience for me. When you and Sherry, and I know your story, we were at Whiskey Smash in West Overton. This whole, this, this whole idea, Sherry, was yours. You were dairy farmers, right? Yes, we were dairy farmers. And you said, we're not doing this anymore. Well, he decided he's not doing it because he had two daughters, and who was going to do dairy? So then he came up with this, and it, he did very well. You know, from a dairy farmer to figure out all about the grain, do the research, and be able to um, figure this out is very, well, he needs commended for that. Very well, well, what does this day mean for you, too? Because this is this is Dancing Star Farms. Right. That's your farm, too. That it is. Um, so, you know, we choose things, and he discussed things with me. So this is what we wanted to present as a product, make sure it grows, and see how we can go out and meet other people and preserve that history. There's got to be a level of pride for you today. There is, very much so. I mean, what, I'm going to go right, you were, you stayed at the hotel, what was the, con- what's the conversation like for you two? 
Well, he was telling me more about the distilling process, um, <laughs> more of like, because I normally don't see all that, so he was more telling me exactly how it does and what happened to the grain here and there. So we did that, um, but also we talked about like things were going really well, lots of people were happy with it, we're glad that we're sharing it. That's nice. Now, this is almost, I mean, when you think about where you are as those that are farming, you're farming this. How does this really come full circle for you? What, like, think about all the things you're doing now and how this just kind of comes round for the idea of farming and what you're doing today. You know, back 200 years ago, basically every farm had their own distillery because, you know, you couldn't store grain. It would go bad. So they made alcohol out of it. And, you know, it's just a, a full circle. Now, but you're, you're seeing, I mean, you're part of a renaissance, yeah. right? Right. Do you understand or recognize your place in history for that and what that means to not only distillers, because we, the, the previous podcast, we met with Old Bedford Brewing Company, and they're using your rose and rye. Yeah. So it's not just distilling, it's brewing. There are a lot of facets in a lot of industries now that are impacted by what you're doing. Yeah, and a lot of it goes, like, to... To gross mills for human consumption, also. So it, it's a full circle. What does I, I, and this is neat because if you look at your social media, your your Facebook, your Instagram, you're posting pictures of you know you know hey look it grew two inches today you know <laughs> you know you're you're talking about when you're harvesting when you're planting. Um, you're, you're showing the process and you're, you're being, you know, the historian or you're, you're being the, the, the photographic historian of what's happening on your farm. Yeah. When you look at all that, do you, do you kind of get a sense of your place in history? Does it resonate with you? Uh, yeah, I, I think it does. You know, it, it's hopefully someday, you know, somebody will take over what I do and, you know, keep this ball rolling, you know, instead of going back to modern times, you know, go back in history where it was better, I think. I think it, where we are today, there's more of an appreciation, even so much more for the heirloom grains. Yeah. Some of those grains that you, or, or corns or things that you're bringing back, are there some things that you're still looking to work with that you, you, um, you're, you're looking to introduce maybe in the next year or so? You just basically got to research and see what's out there. You so what are you researching? I'm currently working with a purple hollis barley. Okay. You know, to bring that back into the food industry. Now, what does that mean, the purple hollis barley? What does that mean to the food industry? They make a lot of bread out of it. Okay. You know, you know it's just unique things that people are looking for now. I think that's, I, I think what you're, I, I think there's that most important understanding to have an appreciation, and I, you know, we've said this, and I say this just about every time that we see each other, that if it wasn't for what you do, what would we be? We'd be boiling water. <laughs> we we'd be standing around doing something else socially. It all starts with what you're doing yeah. together collectively, and the continuous desire to improve. Yeah, you're bringing on new equipment, right? You're bringing right. on new methods of uh, drying and things like that. Yes. So. Looking to improve it and make it easier on me every day. That's important. I'm so happy you're here. This is the day wouldn't be the day without you both here. So thanks for joining us on the podcast today. And we can't wait to see you again. And one of these days we're coming out to the farm. 
And maybe You're I'll welcome to come anytime. Maybe we'll get to ride the tractor a little bit. <laughs> we, we hope this is an annual event here at West Palm. Yeah. At, at Mount Vernon. Mount Vernon. Yeah. We would love it. Thanks so much, guys. Yes. Thank, thank you. you. Laura Fields. <laughs> We're here at George Washington's distillery. George Washington's Mount Vernon Distillery. We've talked to Bob McDonald and Cherry McDonald, Dancing Star Farms, and let's understand that as farmers, as the growers of the Rosen Rye, we wouldn't be here for all their efforts. But let's go back one more step. We wouldn't be here today if it weren't for your efforts and that of the Fields Foundation. So for those that are not familiar with you and what you do, introduce them briefly to the Fields Foundation and Laura Fields. Well, the Fields Foundation is um, my nonprofit based out of Bucks County, and we are focused on grain production and basically creating a um, grain supply chain, which puts money in the pockets of local farmers. And, you know, the largest use of grain is, or the largest use of land is grain production. So that's our first focus, um, getting farmers to be able to utilize that land to make money using value-added grains. And one of the Right now, one of the biggest value-added grains are these heritage grains and uh, land-raised grains and historic um, heirloom varietals. And, you know, obviously talking to Bob was perfect for that because he's able to tell you which ones he's growing. And, uh, you know, obviously he's not the only person growing heritage grains. Um, There's a lot of people around the country doing this. I am specifically focused on Pennsylvania and making sure that Pennsylvania farmers benefit from the good work that we do. Now, Rosen Rye, that is your baby. Well, <laughs> oh come on now, it's your baby. I mean, you've you've been an, an outspoken advocate of Rosen Rye. You've helped get funding for Rosen Rye. You've helped to find places to grow it. You've put people in connection to get the seed happening. All that stuff. Right. So there's a lot of effort that you're putting into this this yes, project. Yes, but I want to make sure it's clear that it's not my grain. Okay, it's not your grain. The grain um, was brought over here in the early 1900s that um, the grain itself was grown specifically for distillation, which is what inspired me um, or, you know, other people saying to me, you know, I want to get my hands on this grain and, you know, having the impetus to want to help them and grow it for them because if you know that this is something that people want and you know that those people are willing to pay good money for it, it's a good idea to try and grow it. So, you know, we started um, back in 2016, um, late 2015, early 2016, you know, looking into how are we going to get this done? And then, you know, sourcing the small amount of, of grain, you know, having the wonderful um, luck of meeting um, Greg over at the Penn State Agricultural Extension and, um, you know, Greg Roth's good work with the seed um, enabled us to propagate it and create enough of it that we were able to distill it um, for the first time in 2019. And then to be able to find a place in Pennsylvania that was nice and isolated at Bob McDonald's farm. Um, He knows all of his neighbors and he's able to control uh, the not cross-pollinating because that's one of the things about rye. It wants to cross with everything. So in order to maintain the integrity of the seed, you need to kind of be an island uh, unto yourself, which just actually goes back to the history of the grain to begin with, because back in the early 1900s, when it was brought to America, after about five or five to seven years, it started to kind of cross with too many things and lost uh, the distinct characters that made that rye, you know, interesting to everybody that, you know, they wanted Rosen, but after a couple of years, all that crossing with other 
uh, rye varietals lost its characteristics. I am so fascinated so, because the, Bob touched on cross-pollination. Yes. You're now touching on cross-pollination. And I think this is that next evolution of learning about how special this grain really is. Oh, yeah. And how much it needs to be monitored mm-hmm. and, and nurtured in that way. Yes. I mean, the idea that you would need a place to source your seed from is not new. You know, there's a lot of grains that, you know, you have to get from a specific place of origin. Um, back in uh, the early 1900s, that was Manitou Island up in Michigan. And uh, the family that grew the grain there was able to isolate the grain um, for seed stock, which is great. But the grain wasn't grown there, um, you know, alone. <laughs> um, they grew the seed and the seed was sold to others who then went and grew it. Um, and they, in order to maintain the integrity of the grain, you just go back and buy seed every year from the same source. You always had a clean source You always to had start a clean with. source. And that okay. was the idea, you know, isolate it, um, keep it pure, maintain its integrity, and yet grow it elsewhere. So you had it all throughout Pennsylvania, you know, folks were growing rosin rye, Egyptian white rye, these beautiful white rye varietals that were being used for distillation. And um, distilleries use an insane amount of grain, especially in Pennsylvania when it was a booming industry. And these, you know, distillers were buying um, tonnage, monstrous amounts of tonnage, and they were filling their own silos with it so they could use it. And then, you know, one of the funny things <laughs> that modern distillers don't um, recognize, or not distillers, but um, distillers recognize it, but the public doesn't recognize the fact that seed is not like something you can order off of Amazon. It's uh, rye specifically, you have to plant it in the fall and you can't harvest it until early summer, late spring. That's, you know, more than half the year is gone. Right. It's, it's like nine months <laughs> of delivering this, this grain. And um, once it's finished, it's finished and you have to wait until the next harvest. So, you know, you try and grow enough to supply the demand. But in this particular case, Rosen, there's just not enough of it to supply the demand. Right now, we're just trying to protect it until we can get it out there to enough farmers to be able to grow enough of it to supply all of the demand that I know is coming down the road. And you talk about supplying the distillers and those that are now going to be able to produce something out of the rye. Right. But there are now a number of distilleries more than one, more than just Stolen Wolf, mm-hmm. that are now able to distill the rosin rye. Right. And or brew the rose, you know, do make beer out of the rosin rye. Right. What does this day, I saw you, yeah. you were watching them pour the rye into the mash tun. Oh, epic. And, and <laughs> what's it like to watch that rye go into that fermentation process? You saw me like I jumping know. up and down. Yeah. It's. It's so astonishing to me because not only is Mount Vernon, not only am I in love with it, but so is the rest of America. You know, this is an incredible thing that Discus was able to fund and, and, you know, allow to come to fruition. And the fact that Steve Bayshore is the guy running the place is just, I mean, you couldn't have a better person taking care of everything. Um, He and I have discussed, you know, the idea of Mount Vernon distilling Rosen, even though it's not technically... um, period to that. Like, you know, Rosen wasn't around when George Washington was, you know, distilling, but it makes sense because he's trying to return to using heritage grains and, you know, connecting to history. And this is a way to connect to Pennsylvania rye history, Virginia rye and Pennsylvania rye, maybe, you know, two different things. Um, He did that heritage. Did he, do you guys get a chance to talk about his his heritage um, trial that he did with the Abruzzi and the bear barley 
I don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> it, it may have been, it honestly may have been on the previous podcast we did. Okay. But I don't remember. Well, that particular experiment that he did is kind of what led to this because he was, he tasted it and went, wow, this is different. There's something really here. And I was like, yeah, well, that's something I know. Let me um, provide you with some rosin. And so we made sure this year after our wonderful harvest with Bob McDonald to set aside um, 5,000 pounds of the rye specifically for this day. And the incredible thing about this day is that the first time we distilled rosin back in 2019 with Dick Stoll, who's the gentleman who inspired the whole thing to begin with, um, 2019 is when they distilled it for the first time in over 50 years. And now two years later, every person that was there that day, including yourself, right? Right. Um, is here today. and Except for one person. Except for one person right. who is honestly my opinion, the most important person, right. Dick Stoll. But here's the thing, and mm-hmm. it's it's his heritage, it's his tutelage, it's yes. his knowledge that's being carried forward today. Now here, if when you kind of can visualize the distilleries downstairs, and there'll be pictures on the website, you can see countless other pictures uh, if you search for George Washington's Mount Vernon. Mm-hmm. They're doing something downstairs, and they're, I don't know what they're pounding on right they're, now. They're um, <laughs> rowing. They're rowing Oh, the they're mash. rowing. Yeah. So we were downstairs. We didn't actually hear what that sounds like upstairs. Okay. So for those that are listening to the podcast and <laughs> hearing thumping. That, that thumping, yeah. that's rowing the mash. So they're mm-hmm. creating, the, they're taking that grain, your, the, the rosin rye, they're taking that, and they're now setting it up for fermentation. Right. Yeah. They're pouring in the, the boiling water to cook um, the corn and the rye. And then when it cools down, they'll add the barley, um, the malted barley. And then once it cools down to about 88 degrees, they'll pitch the yeast and then it'll start fermenting. And there's plenty of barrels down there that have already, you know, that are already busy fermenting, but it's about a three day ferment. So um, it takes a while before you can throw it into the the stills and they'll actually be distilling that rose and rye um, with two different types of corn so the first type of corn that they're using is the orange creole did you talk to bob about yes okay good a little bit yeah um so bob provided two different types of corn with the rosin so that we can actually look so you know even though this, this is, is also thing, an experiment exactly it really is and, and that's the nice mm-hmm. thing about this particular venue mm-hmm. is this is also an experimentation venue right that it's not about it's about the education it's not about hey if if that it's a lot of money don't don't misunderstand that mm-hmm. but if you can create a little bit of a laboratory for testing and understanding yep. more look at what everybody has the ability to do from here yes and that was actually i wasn't sure that steve would um, be into that and he totally was and that was wonderful because he was like well you know i'm, I'm actually thinking because i pitched the idea of using the rosin with the orange creole only because i'd had a chance to taste the orange creole made into corn whiskey and was floored by it i was just like this is spectacular corn not only is it spectacular but when you watch it being milled most of the time when you mill a, a colored corn the flour is still white when you mill this corn, the flour is yellow, orange, and that's amazing because that right there will tells you that all of those beautiful um, flavor compounds are very much in that flour, much more so than maybe another might um, maintain. You know those those flavor profiles. This is gonna it just blows your socks off. You'll see. Uh, so um, even the, the Lisa when she tasted it yesterday, Lisa Roperwicker. When she tasted the distillate um, yesterday, she was just like, this is the sweetest rye distillate I've ever tasted. This is crazy. 
And I was like, yay. So <laughs> that was my input. Like, let's try the orange creel. And then Steve said, you know what? I really wanted to work with the bloody butcher. Um, is there any way that I could get Bob to send me some bloody butcher too? So poor Bob, he was working his tail off because he didn't have enough orange creel to supply him with the 3000 pounds he needed. So actually had to hurry up and harvest and dry and it dry, right. before he could get it to Steve. And um, thankfully he did have enough bloody butcher to supply him with, but you know, Steve drove all the way over to Imler to go pick it up and bring it all the way back, unload like 10,000 pounds of grain um, himself <laughs> with, you know, maybe one or two hands. But uh, he's going to be able to distill that rosin with the orange creel, and he'll be able to distill the rosin with the bloody butcher, and then he'll be able to do a, a flavor comparison between the two and see possibly what the flavor contributions are of the corn. Because so far we've been focused on what the rosin contributes, but now that we know the rosin's epic, <laughs> to see, you know, how does the corn now contribute to these rye whiskeys and, you know, what these heritage grains really do to um, the distillate. Inside your car driving down here today, you had a little bit of a trip coming from Bucks County, Pennsylvania. Yeah, yesterday, actually. I, oh, I tri- yeah. But what are some <laughs> of the things that are going through your mind just coming here and, and waiting to see all that's going to happen? Do you here? know, actually, it's funny that I... I can I say I'm an emotional person? The day before I came down, I was up late watching a video um, interview between Sam Kamlenic and Dick Stoll from 2018 because I wanted to make sure that um, Dick was with us today, you know, in spirit, at least in my mind, um, because he's, you know, had such an impact, uh, an impactful, you know, presence in my life. He, you know, the fact that he brought this thing to, you know, where we are today without him this none of this would have been possible and uh he i needed him to kind of be on my mind so i watched that interview and you know after trying to figure out how to actually play it on my computer i finally got to watch it and it was just amazing you know not only to have him there but to you know reconnect with his history and connection to rosen and um you know Maybe that wasn't on the car right here, but that was something that I wanted to prep myself with. And then, you know, getting here, Eric Wolf brought the Rosen Rye, and that was, I was just like, I can't wait to taste that again, because I tasted it at the American Whiskey Convention, but I knew that he had some bottles with him that he was bringing with him today. Um, so that was in my car, in the car, kind of going like, ooh, can't wait. Um, and that was the distillate that we did together in 2019. So to have that here with us today. I'm still actually surprised there's distilt left with everybody tasting it. <laughs> you know? I'm, well, I'm like, where did, every time you hear, oh, I was tasting, I, I, heard, I tasted it today and it's even getting better and better. Yep. I'm like, is there going to be any left for a bottle? Well, it's a 30 gallon barrel and you do have to cut it to proof it down. Right. Um, so I don't remember what the barrel entry proof is. You have to ask Eric, but you know, you do have to cut it a little bit with water. The, the bottle that we have here today is 90 proof, um, as opposed to the stuff we tasted at the American whiskey convention, which is probably closer to about 114 proof. Um, so there is a difference in the taste profile of those whiskeys. Uh, definitely one of the things I was thinking about on my way down here. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. Now we are, it's, it's November of 2021. Mm-hmm. 2022 will be coming along. Oh, yeah. Care to break some news on the 6th Annual American Whiskey Convention? No, I can't speak to that. Um, Everything is still in the planning process. Um, You know, obviously COVID has created a lot of roadblocks for us. And the fact that we were able to pull it off in September was quite a feat. Still, when you say the word epic, it was still an epic event. Oh, thank you. It was tremendous. One of the prides, really, that I have about that event 
is not just the comments that I get from consumers and the ticket holders who come who all have a blast. Um, the, the word of mouth is getting out and, you know, it's, that's great. But I'm so proud of the fact that the people that show up who are vendors um, all come to me and go, this is my favorite event. I love coming here for so many different reasons. And a lot of it is they actually get to talk to consumers face to face. Um, they get to talk about their whiskey without feeling like they're rushed. The, cons- the people, the ticket holders that come are genuinely interested in learning from them. And so that's their job. All they want to do is talk about the whiskey and what makes it so spectacular. And they actually have a, a very active and interested audience. And we kind of, you know, advertise it that way. And so our, our ticket holders just tend to be a much more interested group. And everybody's, you know, Philadelphia is an up and coming um marketplace for whiskey sellers and you know Pennsylvania whiskey is really starting to thrive so you're you're just it, it's a great place for the event to take place but it's also um everybody involved you know yes I set it up but it's the all the pieces of the puzzle coming together that really do make it the wonderful event that it is well that's exactly what's happening today yes all the pieces of the puzzle are coming together and to create this very special, memorable event that, and I'm going to just, for me, what resonates with me the most is making history today. Yes. And continuing to make history. And we don't, I don't think we realize the our ability mm-hmm. when we are part of a historical event. Mm-hmm. I think for most people today, you wake up every day, you never know what level of specialness, speciality, I don't know. Mm-hmm. You never know what that day is going to bring. Right. But today when you wake up, you knew already what this day was going to be and what this day, and through the course of the distillation of Rose and Rye here, what it's going to mean for future generations. Yeah. And having it all connect back to Pennsylvania, because that's something Steve and I talked about too. I was like, look, you're going to be the first person to have Rose and Rye outside of Pennsylvania. Um, I'm making all, you know, all my efforts to make sure it's maintained its integrity in the state of Pennsylvania. Um, and have it benefit the farmers of Pennsylvania. And Steve agreed. And he's like, look, I only want to get the grain from Pennsylvania farmers anyway. And if this ends up being a product that we do in the future, I'll make sure that that's the case. I go back to, you know, Bob McDonald again and buy from him or another farmer that's producing Rosen. Um, But he also said that um, this particular event, yes, it's Mount Vernon. And yes, it's George Washington, but he's making Pennsylvania rye whiskey. And he's like, and I want to stress that, (laughs) you know, that this is, still strongly connected to Pennsylvania. I've already stated that, you know, Mount Vernon never distilled Rosen rye. Um, so the fact that he's saying, look, this is Pennsylvania rye, Pennsylvania corn, Pennsylvania rye whiskey, um, you know, hopefully that will translate when the whiskey's actually ready for people to be able to drink. That connection of history that Virginia and Pennsylvania share is is great. I mean, the Pennsylvania, the Whiskey Rebellion and everything, that's all George Washington, you know, George Washington. There's so much history that comes back full circle. It really does. So the idea that, yes, maybe George Washington never distilled Pennsylvania grain or Mm -hmm. who knows what he may have, you know, maybe we haven't found in the records. But he had a very similar mash bill to Michter's. Right. Right. So who knows what may have made its way here that never got recorded or written down Mm -hmm. just out of his curiosity to wonder if I source that grain, mm-hmm. what what kind of product might that be in terms of what I can share with the world? So right. you never know. Right. But here's the thing. Now we just have to wait. Mm-hmm. So now we wait for the completion of what goes into the barrel mm-hmm. and all that goes on. And we wait 
to talk to you again and uh, find out what's going on with Rose and Rye and the Fields Foundation in 2022, yeah. the sixth annual American Whiskey Convention. Yeah, and see what the Seeds Park Project has to offer next because Rosen is not the end of the road for us. We're going to continue to look at different grains going forward and bring back some more heirloom varietals for the state of Pennsylvania. Awesome. Laura, thanks so much. My pleasure. Thanks, Rich. Eric Wolf, Stoll and Wolf Distillery. This is a pleasure. This is a treat. This is something that Dawn and I and Fermented Adventure, we've been waiting to sit down to talk to you. And we had to come all the way to George Washington's Mount Vernon <laughs> Distillery to do it. But today's a huge day. Yeah. And we're distilling Rosen Rye here at Mount Vernon Distillery. Yeah. And you and Aviana yeah. and your dad Jim have been such a great part of that Rosen Rye history. Oh, thank you. What does this day mean to you? Oh, and, and you've been here a couple days, but yeah. what does this whole experience mean to you? You know, it, it's so interesting you ask that. It, it's one of those things where um, sometimes when things are, are so poignant, um, they almost wash over you in waves. And, and you sort of, as you're thinking about coming down, you, you think it's going to be about one thing and then get here and realize that there's so much camaraderie and there's just so much, so much dedication to... In, enriching this industry and really seeing what can be done with heritage grains and seeing the way that whiskey and whiskey production, whiskey history, heritage grains have brought together such a group of kindred spirits, pun intended, to to sort of pursue that common dream. Um, I think for me, it just shows that in after a few years of, of not getting out much and not getting to see people and not getting to socialize and, and look people in the eye and, and have these conversations. It really um, is just so cathartic to, to be here and so exciting to continue working with Rose and Rye. And for us, everything we do, um, we, we can't help but feel that Dick is, is sort of watching over us and, and sort of uh, hopefully into, into what we're doing. So, so much of, of what we're, excited to do is continue that that Rosen legacy and, and also help honor Dick's Dick's history as well, as well as being part of being at such a historic distillery, such hallowed ground that I was joking earlier that, that distillers are a uniquely sick group of people that we like to take time off of our very busy schedules of working with hot and dangerous materials and go somewhere else and work with hot and dangerous materials. But when Steve asked if, if we would be interested in coming down to Mount Vernon and, and being a part of this, there's nothing that would have stopped us from being here. So for us, I think uh, so much of it is just about preservation through production and even just experiencing the smells, the sounds, the, the smoke, the heat of being in that distillery and just getting to both connect with the past as well as being a part of, of hopefully an exciting new chapter in craft spirits as well. There are so many ways I want to, there's so many questions in my mind. Yeah. You said something briefly about you expected this to be one thing on the way down. Yeah. What was it that you expected in your mind? What did you yeah. visualize? What did you see? So in my head, I was just thinking about the history of it and about how cool it was that we were at such a historic place and to in some ways, uh, preserve through production, to physically go through those same production methods and to experience that. And I, I didn't, I, I think when I was so focused on that, while I was excited to see the other folks that were here, just the, 
working together as a team to, to sort of realize that history. So much of history, in, in a lot of folks' minds, are it's in a book, it's on a shelf, it's in a museum. Here, it's happening now. So for us to, to sort of connect those two is just so exciting. And, and so much of what we do is sort of... Uh, you, you work, my dad and I work together. We, we've got a, another gentleman, Paul, that, that works with us, but it's the three of us. We're the three folks we see when we're doing it. So to be around other folks, to be able to exchange ideas, share stories, know that we're not the only ones that have interesting problems happen to, for us um, is, is just really so exciting. And every time we have one of these uh, get-togethers, like when we got to meet you guys at, at the initial Rosen, it just creates these exciting new pathways and new journeys and just uh, is really just uh, exciting for the future as well. Let me ask you, Eric, what has, have, being that your name is next to Dick Stoltz, yeah. but also being that you're here today to carry on the legacy, to carry on the rich history, to be a part of the rebirth and redefining, I think, of what Rose and Rye means and will mean to the consumer now that they have a chance to enjoy it and try it. Yeah. Do you understand, and maybe not understand, yeah. do you recognize your own place in history? Has it resonated with you? Because you talk about yeah. you and your dad and Paul. Yeah. You're at the distillery. You're working hard. What are we doing today? Yeah. But when you step back yeah. and you see yourself in this place yeah. and the role you're playing, I mean, your dad's, you know, yeah. your dad's moving wood around and you're, you're, you're bringing up the, the stills and yeah. you're mashing and you're, you're doing all those things. Yeah. Do you see what your place in history is here? Oh, man. That, that's very kind of you to, to say so. I'm going to try not to get choked up thinking about Dick and, and all, all of those uh, really special, special things. Um, I think one thing we learned from Dick is just work hard and stay humble. And uh, it's one of those things where, for us, our role is to produce. And if other folks want to want to um, see a larger connection there, we love that and we're so honored by it. But we almost feel like it's our place just to, for us, we're so blessed. Every time we miss Dick, I just go make whiskey. And I can't think of a better way to honor him than That's doing awesome. that. So for us, yeah. it's one of those things where one of the things that Dick taught us in addition to making whiskey was to just stay, just you make whiskey and if other folks enjoy it, great. And, and you, you need to make whiskey that other folks enjoy but that's that's the reward in and of itself. So, so I have to ask you, yeah, because we got to experience that Rosenride distillation. Yeah. Dick, there's that epic picture of you and Dick. As Longest moment of my life. Where Dick has the 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 flask in there. I'm sorry, has the um, hydrometer and, and is about to taste that rosin. The longest moment of my life, from handing him that sample of rosin until he cracked a smile. My entire existence was just sort of. They say, like, in a near-death experience, you re-examine everything that's brought you to that moment. That's what I felt like, where I was like, this is it. If if he likes it, phenomenal. If he doesn't, back to the drawing board. And, and thank goodness he did. And, and with Dick, he was so 
Dick still passing away was the first mortal thing I ever saw him do. And he was the type of person who, even though he knew more than anyone else his own mortality and knew that he had so much to impart to us, he never once made us feel pressured to learn or that we weren't worthy of worthy of that knowledge. Um, excuse me. It, it's so... Uh, Dick became... <clears throat> excuse me. Dick became a... Uh, just a member of our family. So for us, uh, excuse me for a moment, um, just even talking about this is very, uh, take a second. Emotion. Yeah, sorry. Take a no! Sorry. Way to make me cry, Rick. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like it's that, um, what, what's that, uh, Jerry Maguire moment? Yeah, right. Yeah. I, 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 I wasn't going to cry. I know. By the way, we yeah. edit this, so it's okay. Oh, Do you need great. a napkin sorry. or something? Oh, no, no, no. I'm good. No. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, sorry. My, no, my daughter laughs me. I cry when I'm happy. I cry when I'm sad. Don't ever, don't ever, know. don't ever um, apologize. I, I think that's, um, yeah. we're both emotional. I, I think oh. that's a value that, like, we don't get it. We're not supposed to do that, right? Yeah. As men. Oh, I we're going to change this whole podcast. Oh, and especially we're gonna, distillers, too. It's yeah. like, oh, no, you get burned? Suck it up. Right. You get whatever. No way. So, yeah, no, it's, it's definitely uh, – but but for us, uh, Dick just became a member of the family. And having never met my grandfather, uh, my, my father's father passed a year before I was born. Dick was born within a month of my grandfather. They did a tour in the Navy that their ships were weeks apart from one another. So for me to – never have a chance to speak to my grandfather about what he thought about the modern world or talk to him about. So in, in many ways, he became a, a grandfather figure to me, which Dick would laugh and be like, it's more of a father figure. I'm not that old. <laughs> but in, in many ways, a father figure did to my dad as well, where it's the kind of thing that to have somebody who knows so much be so patient in imparting that knowledge to you is... And, and just to loop back to what you had asked earlier, do, do we recognize our place in all of it? Because of Dick's legacy, it's so funny. We're just really trying not to screw up the amazing things that he taught us. And in so many ways, we're so thankful that people enjoy the whiskey. But I almost feel like I'm making Duncan Hines brownies. And Duncan Hines taught me to make the brownies. I'm just following Duncan Hines' recipe. It's not... So So for us, we're more just the conduit through which that history is moving and, and just the sort of current... Uh, maybe current stewards of trying to, to, to help do it, but it's it's been such a community effort, and, and there's so many folks. And for us, with not only Dick or the Rosen, we're very fortunate to have come in at the end of a very, very, very long cycle where... Dick used to, to apologize if he couldn't lift a 50-pound bag of grain, which he could do up until the very end. As we said to him, you've paid it forward. You've done almost five decades of work in advance where, for us, it's Laura and, and, and Robert and, and Greg Roth with, with the Rosen. They worked for years, and we were able to come in at the very end of that. So I think for us, um, we, we're... We get a lot of credit for a lot of hard work that other folks did as well. So I think for us, um, really just trying to, to make sure that everybody on the team um, is, is working together and, and receiving credit and sort of uh, sharing our, our Rosen learning with other folks in PA and, and even in some other states is just a really exciting um, 
sort of time to, to be in the industry. But here's what happens now. Yeah. You become the resource. Yeah. You become the go-to. Yeah. They're calling Eric and your your dad and you're, they're calling Stolen Wolf. Yeah. And they're saying, hey, these are the things that we're looking to do. Yeah. Well, you're getting you're getting those calls, right? Yeah. yeah what do you think? Uh, it's mind blowing to us. Um, there's uh, there's a great quote by Bill where uh, he, he talks about sneaking in the back door when no one was looking, but he's in now. They can't throw him out. And sometimes that's how we feel. Where it's we, all right. All right. That, that's how I feel about being here. Yeah. Some someday. And to be truthful, yeah, that's my experience when we initially went to that Rose and Rye yeah. event at your distillery, oh, and I'm looking around at all the people, and I I just say, wow, what a how how blessed are we yeah. to just be able to witness this and be a part of it, and then being able to sit down and talk to, to talk to Dick, yeah. and learning more about the man and his story. Yeah. It was such a wonderful experience, and I talk about this a lot. Where I think what's so valuable when you, if you've been to Stolen Wolf Distillery, if you pick up a bottle of the many great spirits you make, if you've had a chance to just be in the distillery, get on the tour, talk to you or talk to one of the you know people involved, now you have a connection to what's in the bottle. Yeah. Right? Uh, it's, it's, it's so valuable to say, I know who sweat and hard work yeah. and effort went into all of it that I'm drinking now. And there's such an appreciation for it. Yeah. Oh, no. Thank you very much. For for us, um, it's uh, it's always so much fun to visit other folks' distilleries as well and, and see how they do things. But to your point, it, it really does. I know there's some debate among some folks as to whether or not there's tawa in, in whiskey or, or sort of a sense of place. Uh, and I think so much of visiting those other distilleries or, or seeing our distillery sort of grounds that sense of place for folks. Um, when you, you have a chance to sort of smell the, the distillery, smell the mash cooking, smell the grain, um, and really just sort of experience the, the physical location where it was made, somehow it just comes becomes more alive. And, and in a lot of cases, we, we always tell folks it's sort of like listening to an album and then seeing a band live in concert. Something about that that experience really creates a deeper appreciation. And then ever after, when you go back to listen to that album, you, you can't help but think about that sort of sensory experience of, of the concert, which, which sort of... Well, Lidditz is the rock and roll capital that's of the world exactly, that nobody know. knows about. Well, that's it. It's, uh, <laughs> that's it. And they, they call it America's coolest uh, small town, which uh, my wife, Fabiana, always brags. That was even before we moved there. Okay, so, gotcha. She's nice. like, you know, now it, it certainly... Uh, so, yeah. For you, and I, I'm wondering, in the quiet times that you're at the distillery, can you still hear Dick? Do you still, can you feel him we present? Every can day. You, when you go through the processes of whatever you're doing, but he taught you, can you, can you feel that? Do you hear that? Every day. And, and it's the kind of thing where when you're making whiskey, um, you're by yourself. The, the public, uh, these are rare occasions where the public gets to come in and see it. So it's that internal discipline of keeping your standards high it's the internal discipline of keeping things to the method that that he taught us and with dick having passed we we miss him so much every day but we feel so thankful that anytime i miss him again i can make whiskey using the methods that he taught and i know that's what he'd want us to do when, when he passed we were so emotional 
And the voice I kept hearing in my head of Dick was, get the hell back to work. <laughs> what the hell are you doing? I was one person. This is bigger than me. This is about the history. This is about continuing the production. And I think for him, uh, he just his patience in, in imparting that knowledge and his... His he never let the moment get bigger than him, yeah. right? It, it's he, so true. He and always was, and I think if anything that I've gotten a little bit to understand and know you, yeah, is that you are very clear on the moment, oh, but you don't you. let that get too far away. I mean, I watch you. You're you're rowing the mash, and you're stoking the fires, and you're 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 working every um, detail about what's happening downstairs, but. You're not overwhelmed by the moment. Uh, That's what I see from you. And you've got people talking to you, and we're grateful that you've taken a few minutes. I mean, uh, it's busy down there. uh, It's it's busy. And I'm glad that the illusion is working. (laughs) So it's one of those things that for me, um, I tend to ruminate about things. I tend to obsess about a lot of things that the more I can be in an environment that is very dangerous and has high risk of injury it sounds crazy but it keeps me present and with distilling the physicality and the art and the science i i love that i i love the steam i love the heat i love the danger of all that and we're very safe in the way we do it but it's it's one of those things that it quiets all the other voices and just it's, we all have those sort of inner inner doubts and those inner inner voices that creep up in quiet times. And just the end of the day, when you can feel the barrels that are filled, and you can see the rickhouse getting full, and you can see the mash fermenting, there's no equivocation. It exists. It's physical representation of that hard work and of that preservation that helps to quiet those voices in, in the long run. So I, I think for me, it's so much of it is meditative and, and almost zen-like in trying to keep busy um, with the distillation, and it just becomes such a physical exercise of those, uh, of, and the process and, and the history, again, that, that so many folks think of as a, up on a shelf or in a museum or in a book, you're actually doing it. You're living it. You're you're experiencing it. So for me, um, it just uh, yesterday the day went by like the snap of a finger. Oh, today's already flown um, by. It's unbelievable. Yeah. I can't believe we're. I can't believe what time it is. Already. <laughs> it's twelve thirty at night, and we're still here. I can't. And nice thing is, nice thing is, we got an extra hour because we fell back oh, today. Thank goodness. Here's a question: because what we've talked about a lot right now yeah. in this time we've had together yeah. is we've talked about legacy. Yeah. You have children. Yes. What do you want them to have as a legacy for you? What oh, What wow. do you look back and say, this is the legacy I want to impart to my children? Um, because not everybody's going out and opening up a distillery. Yeah, no. But you're <laughs> carrying on that legacy of Dick yeah. and Stoll and what that means to him yeah. and his wife and his family. Now, what does that mean to the Wolf family and your children and the, the generations to follow? It, it's so interesting. I think um, the... <sighs> To a lot of the folks in the world, um, being a distiller is kind of a cool, uh, uh, kind of a cool job. Um, the person who thinks it's the least cool job ever is my daughter. <laughs> okay, so it, she keeps you in your place. place. She definitely keeps me in my place, and I think it's the kind of thing where I hope eventually she does have an interest in the distillation. But I think um, 
if if anything, hopefully, um, the, the legacy that we can leave is just follow your passion and be too dumb to know when to quit. Okay. Just just keep at it. And, Dude, and man, you got so many t-shirts, you can start printing right? with that That's with exactly. those things. I look at it, here's the way I look at it, and just, if I can say, yeah. and, and it's just a recognition of, again, what Stoll and Wolf has been doing over the last years since you've come into existence. And I'll use a sports metaphor. Yeah. Brett Favre played for all these years as a quarterback. Through the most interceptions and most touchdowns. Okay. And then you had Rodgers that sat on the bench and watched. Yep. And I'm sure there was a lot of education that went on. Yep. And that's the way I look at this experience for you and your family. Yeah. Oh. Dick did all that work for all these years. Yeah. From afar, maybe you watched or didn't know. I mean, I know that there were conversations to bring him on board yeah. initially, and he was hesitant. Yeah. And, you know, he was kind of happy, you know, doing a lot of the fishing that he was doing yeah. and living the life he was. Yeah. And now everything that he had to give, yeah. he gave to you. Yeah. But now you have your opportunity to make your own record books yeah. and make your own accomplishments. And I think that's what you're doing. Oh, and I think that's you. where your presence here today is so important. Oh, thank and, you. and what it means to the Rose and Rye Project and oh, everything that's going on. That's very kind of you to say so. It's, um, it's one of those things, too, where for us, um, it, 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 sometimes the enormity of it is um, it, we have to almost pinch ourselves that, that – for for whatever reason, we, we find ourselves in in that position, um, but I think in in certain industries, um, I think uh, in in the culinary world, your disciples, you know, the people that you train and and sort of uh, your lineage after you is is almost as important as what you achieve, um, and I think distilling is one of those. Well, where, you you made a good point, and this is what I was thinking about last night. Yeah. Um, the distillers today. Yeah. We have Lisa Rober Wicker here. Yeah. We have you. And, but think about, I look at it this way. Yeah. Back in the early you know, 2000s, yeah. rockstar chefs weren't prominent. They came to that, that presence. Yeah. Well, now they, now they create rockstar distillers. Oh. Well, guess what happens? Yeah. That, that's where you guys fit in. Oh, that, that's very that this is what, But so. this, is what, this is what happens. Yeah. And, oh. and, and your, the creativity and the ingenuity and, and just the level of accomplishment that now you get to express, that's what we – I always say we are grateful to you, Eric, for being part of our fermented adventure. Oh. From the first day we walked in Stolen Wolf and discovered Linnets where we never even knew it. We, we love. Oh. We're like, Wow. Yeah. Some this is an hour away. We need to get here more, but this is an hour away. Yeah. We had no idea of the quality level of just significance of what you were doing at the time, and just to learn yeah. that and be part of our fermented adventure. Yeah. But that's what you get to do every day. People who are strangers walk into Stolen Wolf, yeah. and they leave raving fans, and they wow. just they learn. And next thing you know, it just raises the whole industry of what distillers are doing. Thank you very much. Well, we so. always tell folks when they come in, there, there's geeks and there's snobs. And geeks are always excited to share and always know that there's something they can learn from everybody else. And we're all coming into this in different capacities of the, of the journey. And snobs want to hold information against people. or want to, want to sort of look at, we're always trying to be geeks at the distillery. So as much as we can hopefully encourage folks on that journey of discovery and also just getting to speak to, to folks who are as passionate as you guys are as well keeps us going because it, it's just so exciting to be able to talk to other folks that that care and are so excited about it is really makes all the burns cuts hours of wetness <laughs> 
the the uh, trips to the hospital. They, that's exactly <laughs> it. And, and Aviana, they, they call them distillery widows. Basically, when you lose your husband to being at the distillery for so many hours a week, you're a distillery widow. So she's temporarily a distillery widow. But but again, is she sees me come home covered in ash and just so happy and ready to get up the next morning and do it that. It's uh, it's just such a labor of love. So thank you for the chance to be able to. No, to this share is this is our that. thank you and thanks for uh, letting us just share this experience yeah. with others and, uh, and and hear your thoughts and just your connection to exactly what you're doing. I hope and my just desire is that we'll get to come back to the distillery. We'll sit down. We'll take you through. We'll take you through all the expressions. I mean, you guys are coming up with new stuff all the time anyway. Thank but, yeah. but oh, We would love that. Anytime yeah. you guys want to come through. All right, we'll be there tomorrow. No, <laughs> no. Thanks, Eric. Oh, thank Appreciate you, guys. It. Thank you for the chance to talk about it. Cheers. Cheers. Oh.